everyone and welcome to the latest Scottish Opera podcast, podcast number nine we've realised and today I'm joined by uh, one of Scottish Opera's emerging artists, Arthur Bruce. Hello Arthur. Hello. Um, first question, fairly straightforward I hope, is to tell us about the Emerging Artist Programme and how you got involved with it. So um, I am contracted this year as the Robertson Trust Emerging Artist here at Scottish Opera and um, for that I take on small roles and covers and various sort of education and outreach projects within the company as a performer, as a singer um, and I get a, a salary for that which is unusual because right. most of the rest of my career is, is freelance That's and so um, very very lucky to be to be here for an entire year and get to work on various different projects um, in a, in a performing capacity uh, at, with, with Scotland's National Opera Company. Um, so that is quite unusual for these roles to come up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. There are not many of them left, certainly in the UK, not, not many That's anywhere else either. That's interesting. Um, and this, the programme itself has been going for quite a while now, I think. Yeah, the 10th year, I think. I think I might be the 10th year wow. of Emerging Artists, yeah. So they've expanded it um, over the ten years. Uh, it was originally just for just for singers, and then they added a, a repertoire position for a, a pianist conductor, um, and then they've expanded it since then. So in my year, we have uh, a emerging artist costume maker, oh, I as well that. as um, the first ever emerging artist producer, who gets to work behind the scenes. Uh, she has a has one project that she's managing throughout the year, which is touring all over the world. Mm -hmm. So she's in charge of visas and all the various logistical complexities involved with that. And that's the first time that they've they've had a, a emerging artist producer on board. That's, I didn't realise that. I just presumed it was a performers and that was it. So it's almost like there are different apprenticeships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So how did you, when did your interest in opera begin? So I, I always used to sing. I joined um, the National Youth Choir of Scotland, Edinburgh Area Choir, when I was about seven, and uh, enjoyed singing, um, played some instruments to various degrees of ability. Um, <laughs> and then at one point, someone said, why don't you think about taking singing a bit more seriously? So right. I started getting singing lessons when I was... 16 after my okay. voice had broken and started to settle a bit more um, I really enjoyed that and uh, wanted to I knew I wanted to do something in music mm -hmm. so I said well why don't you give singing a go I never really thought I'd end up in opera because yes. I was terrified of acting right and then uh, through through Scottish Opera Connect which is now the Scottish Opera Young Company right um, I got my first taste of of actually being in an opera while I was still at school, and um, my opinion of it changed dramatically. Yeah, that's that because I think that's the jump. You know, a lot of people are interested in music and perhaps sing, and they think well, we're going to go into bands or mm, choirs yeah. or something like that. But then it does seem that um, um, from the discussions we've had with other people, is that Scottish opera is very good at kind of seeking out folk like yourself and mm. saying, well, you, you've maybe not thought about this, but why not try it? Yeah. Um, and 16 to start kind of taking it seriously, is that quite late or is that a bit um, I mean, or is everyone just different? I, yeah, it, it totally depends. Obviously with, uh, with lads it's a bit 
it's a bit different because I mean I did I sang as a as a boy treble um, not in a in a cathedral or anything just with with the National Boys Choir of Scotland um, we had to re-audition every year right and so I, I so there was always the worry that the voice yeah, wasn't yeah. good <laughs> so I'd been singing like second soprano and alto and stuff for uh-huh. years went for my audition one day um, sang and Christopher Bell the conductor said I think your voice is about to break but it's got stronger, so soprano one. And we went on tour to Ireland and I sang soprano one, and then the next year I was like, oh yeah, bass two. <laughs> so I jumped the full range from one end to the other and then slowly made my way back up again to, to settle on baritone. So had you done, you said you, that you, you had a kind of fear of acting, that side of things. Was theatre wasn't anything you were interested in? No, no, I, n- I didn't really do any sort of drama as a kid. Um, I had lots of friends who did uh, various sort of drama groups and acting and stuff but it was never really my bag um, so when I went into singing it was all about like actually singing songs and, yeah. and about the music um, so it wasn't until until someone said shut me on stage and had to go at it that I thought oh well maybe maybe I can do this and what I found from watching over the opera over the last few years is the level of acting that is required I think a lot of people they think, well, it's just singers and there's a bit of a story going on, but there, there is genuinely acting. How have you found that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot, a lot of acting training since then yes. um, at, at music colleges and at various other, um, various other development programmes. Uh, I did one in London with English National Opera called Opera Works, which was very, very drama-heavy. Right. Uh, and that's been invaluable because... I didn't know what I was doing, really. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the perception of uh, what we call park and bark is... Right. Uh, <laughs> like, you think of Pavarotti in a big costume just standing there and wailing. And it's, it makes a beautiful noise, but, I mean, I, I don't think anyone would say he was uh, an actor in, in the way that most people would consider that. Sure. Um, but the, the level of acting in opera has certainly... Uh, dramatically changed over yeah. the past, well, 50 years, certainly. So um, singers are expected to be singing actors now, and uh, there's a lot more emphasis put on the on the dramatic side of it. And what does the theatre training entail? Well, um, one day I went to this uh, studio in London and someone came from a drama school and sat down and said, right, I'm going to try and give you three years of drama school in two days, here we go. And I, that day I filled a notebook with, um, with acting theory, th- looking at Stanislavski mm-hmm. and Laban and all these things that I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, just thinking about character in a very different way and uh, analysing text and thinking about motivations and stuff in, in a way I just... That is a lot to take in, two days, all of that. Yeah, oh God, it was. But, um, no, it was, it was really, really helpful. And now... Um, I, I can hopefully think about embodying a character more than just singing the words on the page. It's interesting. I think I wonder if um, you know. I, I, it, instinctively, I think you could perhaps teach a singer how to act, but you maybe can't teach an actor how to sing if they can't sing. <laughs> I don't know uh, what that's like. So, um, what were your in terms of influences, musical influences? You said you were in a choir, but did you have other musical influences that? Uh, that's still you to feed on today. Um, yeah, so I, I played the clarinet. Um, I so I played in some orchestras a bit. Uh, I was never great, but I really enjoyed it. I played in the 
the Edinburgh Secondary Schools Orchestra and all that. Um, I played the piano very badly, played the bass guitar in some really bad rock bands. <laughs> That's uh, what I was digging yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, rock band yeah. Uh, oh, we, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's the stuff we'll edit out if you really want it, okay. Um, but, uh, so, but a good all-round background in music. I mean, obviously, kind of yeah. understanding music. Did you have, to, you'd have to read music and know that all that? Yeah, you know, I, I, was, I was very lucky. As I said, I joined the, um, the National Youth Choir of Scotland aged seven, and I'm very much a product of that. I think I did the, uh, the Edinburgh Area Choir till I was... 17, 18, I was there for a full mm-hmm. decade, and uh, also the National Boys Choir, and then eventually the National Youth Choir of Scotland itself, and I'm, it's totally down to them that I can read music at all. They, they taught me musicianship from day one, and they, they have an amazing method of teaching you uh, ear training and music theory, and uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm grateful for, really. And in terms of um, performance, is that kind of genuinely required um, or is it something that if someone has a, an amazing voice that that can be taught to them you know later on or do you think that it, yeah you know? I mean so the the academic requirements for uh, a conservatoire for example yeah. are very very low right. you don't you don't need straight A's by any means because it, you, you're auditioned you and you auditions yeah. yeah so lots of people lots of people will turn up to music college even uh, to do a degree mm-hmm. and not be that fluent at reading music yeah and hopefully by the end that they by the end of that they will be because uh, once you come to somewhere like here and you're working uh, you are expected to learn quite complicated music quite sure. quickly yeah and be able to do that yourself i mean you do have coaching and, and lessons and stuff but you're you're expected to be able to read music to a professional level so i mentioned before we started you're the first performer we've spoken to for these podcasts <laughs> and I think it'd be interesting if you could give us an insight into is there such a thing as a typical day in the life or does um, it change every day? What kind of what's your day I mean, the, like? The variety is one of the one of the draws really. Yeah. I think it, there isn't there isn't really a typical day. But uh, today, for example, after talking to you, I have uh, a coaching, um, which is what we sort of call a lesson, but with someone who's not necessarily a singing teacher. Right. We'd sort of have uh, keep the word lesson for vocal technique and then a coaching is with uh, a conductor or a repetitor where you will um, sing them your your audition aria package and they will work on the style or the language or certain things that they think you need to improve on in order to get more jobs so then uh, that's that's very typical and that I'll come in to uh, one of the Scottish Opera buildings for for a coaching and I can book a practice room um, there's the library up the stairs, so I can, if I need a score or to discover some new music, and that's always very, very helpful. Um, I'm about to start rehearsals for the Opera Highlights Tour. Oh, yes. Which is where uh, four, uh, four singers and a, and a pianist travel to every corner of Scotland, so I'm really looking forward to having a wee singing holiday. Yeah, is this um, the first one of those that you've done? This first one I've done, yeah. They do, um, they do two a year, yeah. so effectively... Uh, for this year at least the autumn tour and the spring tour it's the same show we're just going different places and with a different cast so um, my colleagues uh, the other other two vocal emerging artists Mark Nathan and Charlie Drummond they did the, the autumn highlights tour and so I'm stepping in and singing what Mark sang um, with a different cast of singers 
uh, and Michael, the emerging artist repetiteur, is music director for that. So he'll be rehearsing us, and uh, um, Roxana Haynes, the yes. staff director, mm-hmm. is uh, is directing that as well. So mm-hmm. we start music rehearsals for that at the end of this week, and then we'll go into production. So that'll be two sessions a day. So I will expect to be in the building uh, for rehearsals, half ten till half one, and then half two till half five, actually blocking and staging the show. Of course, because that's the aspect of it as well. All these yeah. other things related to theatre that you have to do. Um, for anyone who's listening who hasn't heard any of these podcasts before, these um, touring shows, they really do go to everywhere in oh, the yeah. country, you know, all the smaller village halls or I think once a post office or something like that. <laughs> these different spaces that they manage to find. So do seek them out because they are coming to a, a place near you soon. And they're terrific. I mean, they're a real greatest hits almost of all probably. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's 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 great because um, Derek Clark, the head of music, yeah. is a bit of a wizard creating these, these highlights tours. He's been doing it for years and years and years. And yet every year it's still really interesting and he finds a good mix of big operatic classics and, and tunes that people might know and then some really obscure weird stuff that you'll never have heard and we're lucky in the this year there's also been a commission from uh, Sam Bordoli, the composer in residence, he's oh, written right. a piece for the Opera Highlights Tour so that begins the second half so we've got a world premiere as well as some tunes you know and some tunes you don't know and I think people if they haven't been to opera before and they go to one of these what I found was it's amazing how many tunes you do know because yeah. they've been used <laughs> in adverts or yep. in film or television or whatever. You go, oh yeah, I recognise that. And so for in this show, for example, there's um, the flower duet from Lacme, which everyone knows is oh that was in the British Airways advert. That's right, <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, no, and and Roxana, the staff director, has been excellent at sort of weaving a narrative through these pieces, so it does. It makes a cohesive show and a nice, a good, a good night out, really. And these are shows where you know because it's a smaller uh, auditorium and the crowd are kind of right close by. Uh, the acting is important because you see sure. you can't you can't get away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't just park and bark. Yeah. Um, and then, as you said, because it is so intimate, it's um, nice that people get to be up close to a live opera singer which yeah. is I mean if I think back the first time I ever heard someone singing full pelt just a few feet away from me it's quite an experience yeah it is because I can make a lot of noise <laughs> <laughs> no I, it happened to me once in a car which I wasn't expecting and it was just <laughs> something else yeah um, so you mentioned training and it sounds as though there is quite a lot of training involved in the Emerging Artists mm-hmm. programme mm. that you're kind of constantly being a maybe assessed is the wrong word but you're constantly being trained to be, to be better as you say to I, yeah you know, definitely take no, you to another level yeah no we're encouraged to, to keep on learning and um, I mean I heard a statistic I'm not sure if it's true but it sounds right that the prime of a male opera singer's life Mm-hmm. is between 45 and 65. Oh, well. So I could have been a dentist or something. <laughs> I could have had a proper job and made some money first, but I didn't. And I'm enjoying getting paid to sing songs, but uh, I, I'm not 45 yet, so I've got some time to wait. And, uh, yeah, we're always... Um, I mean, the voice is still developing for years and years and years. So having all the um, 
input and encouragement we can get to ensure that I can continue to make this my living is is great. Uh, that seems to me then that the fo- vocal muscles, unlike maybe other muscles as folk get older, get stronger and stronger I, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if they're used mm-hmm. constantly. And that's really interesting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about some of the productions that you've been in over the last um, year? Yeah, so I started in August and my first project was uh, through the Education Outreach Department. It was called Amadeus and the Bard, oh, I saw it. It which was about um, Mozart and Robert Burns. Ooh. So uh, not not a pairing you might think of no. straight away, but um, it was a very clever little show that um, sort of drew, the, drew parallels between their two lives and... Um, I was set in a pub in Mocklin, in Ayrshire, and um, we took that around schools and uh, and various places in in Ayrshire, in the Central Belt, and in Dumfries and Galway. Yeah. And we took through to Edinburgh to the National Th- National Museum on Chambers Street, uh, and yeah, we did twenty three shows of that, wow. um, which was great fun. It was really nice, um, and, and that was a it was a. A joint production with the Scottish Opera Young Company. Yeah. So there was myself and another uh, another singer who I graduated from uh, the Royal Conservatory of Scotland with, and then um, four singers from uh, from the Scottish Opera Young Company who are who are still current students. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we got to do loads of stuff. I got to play the guitar. I got to um, uh, play the box. There was some accordion, there was a fiddler. Um, it was a great night out, it was lovely. Yeah, because for, for people who didn't go, you were kind of welcomed in with music. In fact, yeah. you were welcomed in by the performers, if I, I remember. And it was a case of, it felt like, um, it, well, it didn't feel like, you know, you bought your ticket, you sit your seat and the curtain comes up. Immediately there was an involvement with the crowd <laughs> going on as well. Um, you said how many performances you did. What's it like, do you have to rest? I mean, is there a kind of period of rest after a performance? Well, uh, so, opera singers, our schedule is, is slightly less punishing than if you look at musical theatre folk in right. West End shows. Mm-hmm. They do eight shows a week. And that, I mean, they have microphones, which mm-hmm. is a slightly different animal. But um, generally, for most operatic things, you'll expect to have a day off between performances. Right. So for, uh, for Amadeus and the Bard, we did two a day. So we did a lunchtime normally for some school kids and then an evening show which was open but then it was generally day on day off so uh, it was a nice balance between uh, Burns folk tunes and and bits of bits of Mozart so uh, I got to do the the final scene of Don Giovanni Mm -hmm. uh, where he gets dragged to hell Um, so it was it was great again like a nice introduction to opera for if people haven't had much exposure to it before and it sort of eased you in with some, with some folk tunes that you might know and me strumming guitar. Well, that's what I thought because a lot, there's a lot of people I know that are very interested in Burns and if you put anything with Burns on it, they'll turn up at it. Yeah. So you would get a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great fun. Before. How did the school kids enjoy it? Uh, it was, uh, depend, depends on the day. Some of them... Uh, <laughs> Thank goodness, it depends on the school. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Depends um, on the day, yeah. Yeah, no, I think generally, generally have a really, really positive reception. Um, I, again, like I, I know that a lot of them had never mm. heard any opera live and up close, so it can, it can be a bit of a shock, and um, and you get a lot of sort of nervous giggling. But once you get over that, it's, it's fine. Yeah, I don't because, mind. 
I always, always think if you see people doing something that they do almost better than anyone else, then that immediately kind of that grasps almost any audience I've found. You know, hopefully. Well, it's kind of you. I'm not sure I can say I do it better than anyone no, else. No, no, but, but I, I mean, in general, you know, if you get people who are trained in, in something that, to do it really well, then, um, you know, uh, hopefully folk kind of are, are grabbed by that. Well, that's, that's the hope, yeah. Um, we're talking about productions, is there anything um, that you're in now coming up apart from the tour? So, um, after the after Amadeus and the Bard, um, we recorded a new short opera film which was commissioned by Scottish Opera. I'm not allowed to say much about it just now, but yeah. more details to be announced soon. Excellent, look forward to that. And then uh, in December, we had another one of the Sunday series. Uh, Opera in Concert. Oh, yes, yes. Which was um, another one by Mascagni called Iris, which was, uh, it's, it's an amazing opera. It's, uh, I, had a, I had a very, very small role in it. It was at the City Halls in Glasgow, um, and I got to sing the chorus and have um, a small role. I was Un Chenchai Wolo Baritono. Excellent. Which is the, the baritone rag picker, effectively. Um, and when, when describing this opera, I sort of tell people that. It's a bit like Madame Butterfly, but six years earlier and even sadder. Oh, it is one of the saddest <laughs> things I've ever sat through, I have to say, but in a really good way. It was amazing. But you think, oh, poor. Yeah, it's a really, really <laughs> tragic story, but had some, has some absolutely wonderful music in it. And it's a, it's a proper Italian opera rarity. So it was mm. great to be able to, to, to be able to perform that in Scotland. Um, and the, the, the great thing about those shows as well is the... the, the um, a orchestra right there, so you get to because yeah. usually you're kind of looking over their heads, but then you can you know you can see how they are loving what they do as well. Yeah, I mean the Scottish Opera Orchestra are fantastic; they're a real asset to the company. And um, as you say, it's nice to see them on a stage rather than under it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we've t- touched a little bit on different uh, departments in, in the opera that you, I guess, as a performer, you have to interact with pretty much all of them yeah. in some way. Um, was there anything, aspect of, of working at the company that you were surprised about or you wanted to learn more about? Yeah, so we were encouraged. We got um, a, a nice induction and welcome when we uh, joined back in August. And um, Sarah Jane, the head of casting, was... Um, she. Keen to, keen to say that if, if over the course of the year we have any questions for any of the departments and want to learn more about how the company's run, um, that we should feel free to ask. Um, and I have, I've had some really, really interesting conversations with uh, Judith Patrickson, who's the head of finance, mm-hmm. to um, learn about how it, how it all works. Because one of the, I, would, I don't want to say problems, one of the things about opera is that it's really, really expensive. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically because it's every art form at once. Yeah. It's everything. You've got, you've got your orchestra, you've got your singers, you've got actors, you've got dancers, you've got costume, you've got uh, scene design, you've got props, you've got technicians, you've got a conductor, you've got a chorus master, you've got a choreographer, mm-hmm. a director, an assistant director, you've got everyone yeah. doing... Sometimes you've got animals, sometimes you've got children. You know, exactly, you know, yeah. Aspects of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I've found from doing these uh, podcasts. There's never been a shortage of people saying, so, oh, have you thought about talking to this person? <laughs> you know, I didn't even think that was part of what happened. Um, 
and I think that the, the uh, in general the funding of the arts is an interesting area, um, and a and such a kind of um, controversial area as well. And in some ways, that it's interesting to think about um, how so, you know any company manages to kind of keep keep going. And I yeah. think what Scottish Shoppers seems to do, as we mentioned, is by taking it out to schools and taking it around the country, and as well as having its showpiece shows, then it really is kind of you know hitting as many people as possible I, I hope so I yeah. hope so um, so now that you have a, been immersed in opera is it always going to be opera going forward or um, you know would you think of doing musical theatre for instance or something like well, that if I'm, if I'm lucky I mean I at this point I'm very happy that I'm making a living I'm being paid to sing songs yeah. and if people keep paying me to sing songs I'll be a very happy man Um it's interesting what you say about, about uh, musical theatre. Uh, there are lots of opera companies who have started uh, doing m- more, uh, I suppose what you would call classic musical theatre, some, some of the, the older sort of Rodgers and Hammerstein type things. Yeah. And, um, I mean, if people ask for a definition of the difference between opera and musical theatre... You could give them a million answers mm-hmm. about style and, and and the music and whatever, but the the most obvious one I think is microphones. Yes. And when you think about uh, the premiere of South Pacific on Broadway, they flew opera singers over from Italy. Right. They had like amazing singers like Tito Gobbi and people uh, who were Italian opera singers because they needed someone who could nail it to the back wall over an orchestra yeah and um, without amplification so the, there is there is a, a a pedigree of opera singers singing musical theatre right and it's just not necessarily the way that people expect it to be sung now right so um, Opera North for example are doing lots more uh, I think they did Kiss Me Kate and um, Grange Park Opera have done Oliver and they did Fiddler on the Roof um, with with a, a mixture of trained opera singers and professional musical theatre right. artists uh, and I think that is something that is going to be uh, discussed more yeah. in uh, in the future That's so I'm very much open to it yeah. if, as I said if people are going to pay me to sing I'm, I'm happy <laughs> and you know have you kind of immersed yourself in the in the history of opera? Do you have opera singers who you think you know that they're my idols or something like that? Yeah, I'm a bit of a geek. Um, I... I was beginning to sense that. <laughs> That's why I threw that question in there. <laughs> yeah, um, I I mean I love I, I I love opera and um, I really enjoy sitting. Uh, with other geeky singer friends and listening <laughs> to old dead Italians on YouTube. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean that is, is part of the fun, and you can you can learn and you can learn an awful lot from old crackly wax cylinder recordings of of people in the thirties. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I mean I've uh, been listening to lots of um, lots of old dead Italians recently, um, like tenors like Giuseppe Giacomini and uh, and, and Franco Corelli and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it can it is fascinating if you want to if you want to delve that deep into it, but it's also not necessary in order to enjoy opera. You don't have to 
speak Italian. You don't have to know the history of anything. You you can just go along and let it wash over you yeah. or invest get invested in the story. Or There are so many things that mean it, it, it can be for everyone. Yes. Um, but it, it can also be a lifelong passion. And um, having... If there are people listening to this who are interested in the idea of the Emerging Artist Programme, um, how would they go about learning more about it or, you know, considering putting themselves forward? Yeah, um, Scott, Shop, Scott Shop's website is fantastic. Um, I, would, uh, I would recommend having a look at that um, the, uh, and then getting in touch. I think there's, a, there's an email address there and um, fire off a CV and see what happens. Fantastic. It seems like it's a great thing to be involved in. Um, well, Arthur, thank you very much for talking to us today. And uh, we'll be back soon with another Scottish Opera podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>